Listener, as I speak to you, a new semester is well underway, even while delayed or interrupted at times by snow and freezing rain, the sky overcast, the mood gloomy, the senses recoiling somewhat from the uninspiring sensoria of this Oklahoma winter. Still, blessed are the huddled minds of students in classrooms aglow with the fires of memory. Here at Midtown, the recent weeks have been both leisurely and, of all words, fun. Over the course of their J-terms, some students have hiked trails, carrying everything they need upon their backs, and slept beneath the silent light of stars. Some walked the crowded boulevards and hushed museums of New York. The stars shut out, but the beauty present, close at hand, wondrous to behold. Others, staying near, have walked a stationary journey, watching films, reading scary stories, quilting, bustling about a kitchen, readying cakes for a school-wide feast. They studied cryptography, Chinese language and culture, sports, missions, learned more how to love the variously disabled, read each gospel in turn and on its own terms, traveled to Tulsa and Memphis to hear and see the ongoing legacy of race and civil rights, relitigated some of the great courtroom dramas of the past. It's over, yes, their J-term experience, but it sits now, burrowed in the mind like a bulb beneath the cold ground. A later rain and sun will bring it all up from the warm earth of their selves, each student becoming anew that person God calls out to them to be. In a forthcoming episode of Lyceum Conversations, I speak with a guest of my own J-term class, Dr. Ben Myers, who came to read with us on a cold Thursday morning. Our podcast conversation, recorded the same day, is all about memory, and specifically the good of and the ways to memorize poetry. Ben rehearsed from memory, and occasionally, without previous notice, three poems, all worth your hearing, all worth deeper discussion. I hope you'll find some time to listen once the episode's released. For now... In preparation for the release of the interview, today's starter, memory. What do you remember? It's a question asked often in any classroom, to be sure. But really, it occupies a place at the center of any human relationship and at the heart of every human community. We are bound together, in the end, by our common memories. And these memories reside, in some ways, in our common spaces. The rooms we have shared are, as it were, overlaid with the significance of shared stories. What may otherwise have seemed a bare percept, a chair, a rug, a desk, a sink, a coffee mug, each person who walks across a common space so filled walks across that space in a thick cloud of sentiment. Every place of shared life is full of reminders. The deep religious significance of memory and of these reminders, the connection between memory and faith, cannot be overstated. 
As an example, consider this passage, well known, a passage at the very heart of the Torah and the identity of the people of God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Keep these words that I'm commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children and talk about them when you are at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you rise. Bind them as a sign on your hand. Fix them as an emblem on your forehead and write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gate. This same passage goes on in a few verses to say, Take care that you do not forget. Another example. In the New Testament, in the scene where Jesus himself institutes the meal, the bread and the wine that will sit at the very center of all Christian common worship, Jesus says in Luke's account of it, Do this in remembrance of me. The life of learning like the life of faith, is a life aimed at transforming oneself and others through the cultivation, one might even say the curation, of memory. Transformation through remembering. And we must recognize memory to be at the very core. It is rather the beating heart of the self and the source, as I've said, of much connection between the self and others. It is what transforms the bare world of percept into the common world of sentiment, of significance. So, it is important to recognize, in our age of distraction, the further inescapable connection between memory and attention. It is a connection made explicitly by the passage quoted earlier at some length from the book of Deuteronomy, a passage encouraging the faithful to surround themselves with reminders their hands, their heads, their houses, their neighborhoods, to bring it to attention, to call it to mind, to remember it. There is another ancient notion that the act of memory has four pillars, four fundamental components. The first, unsurprisingly, is attention. What we behold, we become. The person pulled back and forth from whistle to trill to notification is thinned at her very center, as the erosion of her attention undercuts fundamentally the primary foundation of her remembering. The other three pillars of memory are of equal importance, but they flower from the first. Not just attention is necessary, also repetition repetition of exposure, of consideration, of analysis. To see, to attend, again and again to the same thing is an inescapable part of learning, intuitively recognized as such and commonly known. Place it, however, as the second link in a chain that stretches to the very center of the self and the self's shaping. When we talk about memory, we're always talking about the heart, molded by that to which each person repeatedly attends. The third and fourth pillars of memory are, perhaps as much for you as they were for me, surprising. Organization, the third pillar, sustains memory. This isn't just repetition and attention, but mindful attention to things in their proper order, connected across time and space. 
the ordering of memory increases it and makes it useful. We remember not only that Socrates died in 399 BC, but that his student Plato, after his death, founded the academy in 387 BC, that Alexander, son of Philip II, sometimes called the Great, conqueror of the Persian Empire, spreader of Hellenism, and student of Aristotle, died in 323. One rises from the other across time, each in their turn, one, then the next, then the next. To arrange them, to put them in their order, is implicitly to retain. The fourth pillar, imagination, is stranger still, all but lost in common practice. Yet, even cursory reading of texts, ancient or medieval, reveals the central, oddly even literal significance of the image placed in the mind, attended to with the inner eye. Visualize the object, the place in which you learned it. Organize your learning across the imagined rooms of your mind. Go to these inward places to retrieve the image, to remember. Reading St. Augustine's Confessions, for example, one finds image after image, visualized, imagined, again and again. The consequences of this ancient fourfold notion of memory for each of us, I think, can be expressed in a single word and then defined with a series of imperatives. The single word is contemplation. Its defining imperatives here follow. Turn inward. Pay attention. Do so again and again. Put each thought, each notion in its place. Unclutter and set right the spaces of your mind. In the cauldron of your imagination, forge images to support and build all that is worth remembering. I stress again that the language I'm using isn't simply metaphorical or meaningless. You can make of your inner self a household full of treasures. You can become, as St. Matthew's Gospel puts it, like the master of a household who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. I give you, then, four questions, one for each pillar of memory, reminding you as well, one last time, that the cultivation of memory is tantamount to the shaping of the self and the forming and maintaining of community with others. Question one, what things capture and sustain your attention? Question two, to what do you repeatedly give your attention? Question three, what clutters your mind? What distracts it? Question four, how can we use our imaginations as tools, as helpers in the task of remembering? May you, dear listener, in whatever place you listen, be a participant in rich and life-giving conversation.